Merry Christmas to all. Let's stand together and turn to page 104 in your hymn books. Page 104. Joy to the world. Let's sing it out. Amen. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. Wild fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains. Repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow. Far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. Amen. And that's another page over. Angels, we have heard on high 107. 107. Angels, we have heard on high. Angels, we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains and the mountains in reply. Echo back their joyous trains. Why this jubilee? Why your joyous strains prolong? Say what may the tidings be which inspire your heavenly song? Now sing it, Gloria in excelsis Deo. to Bethlehem and see him whose birth the angels sing. Come adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn King. Gloria, next Chelsea's Deo, Chelsea's day. 
manger lay, Jesus, Lord of heaven and earth. Mary, Joseph, lend your aid, with us sing our Savior's birth. Oh, in excelsis Deo, Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for each one that is here today. Lord, we just ask that you would be with each part of the service. Lord, I pray that we would sing the songs to your honor and to your glory this morning. Lord, I pray for the special music and Lord, the preaching that I would not get in the way that you would have your will and way in all that's said and done. And Lord, we pray for the heart of each one assembled here together that we would not withhold ourselves from you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, now let's turn to page 111. 111, Silent Night, Holy Night. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child, holy infant so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly Silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight, glory stream from heaven afar, heavenly hosts sing alleluia, Christ the Savior is born. Savior is born. Silent night, holy night, Son of God, love's pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face, with the dawn of Lord, at thy birth, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth, silent night, holy night, wondrous star, lends thy light, with the angels let us sing. Alleluia to our King, Christ the Savior is born. 
Christ the Savior is born. Amen. And now let's turn to page 822, past the index, 822, our great Savior. Jesus, what a friend for sinners, Jesus, lover of my soul. Friends may fail me, foes assail me, he, my Savior, takes me home. Hallelujah, what a Savior, What a strength in weakness, let me hide myself in him. Tempted, tried, and sometimes failing, be my strength, my victory wins. Hallelujah, what a Savior, hallelujah, what a Saving, helping, keeping, loving, he is with me to the end. Jesus, what a help in sorrow while the billows for me roll. Even when my heart is breaking, he my comfort helps my soul. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Saving, helping, keeping, loving. He is with me to the end. Now this time we'll have the children 11 and under dismissed to our junior church and we will sing that fourth verse as the last jesus what a guide and keeper while the tempest still is high storms about me night or takes me be my pilot hears my cry Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Saving, helping, keeping, loving. He is with me to the end. Amen, and you can be seated. All right, we'll have just before the morning service. We'll have the children come, and they're going to sing a song, and as soon as they're done, they're going to sing a medley of Christmas carols, and once they're done, Julia's going to sing a solo, and then we'll get into the preaching this morning. Mm -hmm. 
Christy, Mary, gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. From God our Heavenly Father, the blessed angel came. To certain shepherds brought tidings of the same How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy Oh, tidings of comfort and joy Sing we now a Christmas, not well sing we here Hear our grateful praises to the babes so dear
Take your Bibles and turn once again to Luke chapter 2, if you would. Luke chapter 2. And we've decided this year that we're going to take the our time around Christmas and divide it up into three sermons. Last Sunday morning was the first. And uh, on how the shepherds worshipped Christ. And today will be the second Worship the Lord in the temple. Those that worshiped Him and praised Him in the temple in Jerusalem. And uh, Lord willing, next Sunday morning, we'll finish it up with a, a message concerning the wise men and how that they worshiped Him. Those were the three main groups that worshiped the Lord Jesus Christ as He came into earth, as is recorded here uh, in the Scripture. And uh, last week we we learned from the shepherds that uh, there was, uh, when when God's word is revealed, if we're going to have this thing called worship, there's got to be obedience to God's word. Amen. The shepherd went. They saw with their own eyes. And when they had seen, they couldn't be quiet about it anymore, could they? I mean, true worship is not something that's quiet and contained. It's contagious. And uh, now the world has a really perverted idea about that. They think if we get a big loud rock band in here and jump up and down for Jesus, we can call that worship. That has nothing to do with it. As we're going to see today, one of the reasons why we have to work so hard at so many imitations of this thing called worship is because the real thing called worship does not come easy. It does not come simple. Uh, it is not natural for us as sinful human beings to worship a holy God. It is not normal for us to do these things. And we have the story of two people, Simeon and Anna. And I, I just happen to wonder, and, and I can't answer the question, but I just wonder the, maybe the reason why God chose one man and one woman to put here in the Bible so that there wouldn't be anybody left out. Amen? Uh, I know we have some people that are still undecided about those things, but, I mean, you're either a man or a woman. Amen? Uh, we're all together here, and we have the story of one man and, and one woman, and that kind of includes all of us. Amen? Could we get an amen on that? Or are you awake today? Do you agree with me? If you don't agree with me, see me afterward and we'll talk about it, all right? But um, the, the simple truth of the matter is God has put those stories in here for a purpose. He wants to show us some things. And so we are here and, and we uh, come down in Luke chapter 2. And with, well, let's just start in verse 21. It says, And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification were accomplished according to the law of Moses, I'm sorry, and when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written, 
In the law of God, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now this is the setting. If you've studied the Old Testament law at all, there was a period of of consecration. There was about 40 uh, some days that uh, a lady after giving birth to a son had to wait and then there was another eight days after that and then she and, and her husband and the newborn were to go to the temple and there were sacrifices that were offered. It's interesting here. The sacrifice that's recorded in the book of Luke is the least sacrifice that was acceptable. Uh, if you were a rich family, you would have provided a ram or a bullock, a young bull or a, or a, a goat. Uh, but if you were not uh, well uh, endowed financially, uh, if you could not afford those, you were allowed to get a pair of doves or young pigeons. And how you got those young pigeons was you went out and caught them. The reason they were the least offering is because they were available to anyone. You did not have to have money to buy the pigeons. You could get them. And uh, as long as they were uh, perfect in every way, meaning there was no deformity, no broken legs, no anything like that, the pigeons were acceptable as a sacrifice. And they were offered according to the law. And as Mary and Joseph came to the temple complex. Now, you, I, I wish we had a way to, to really paint this thing properly. As we read in the book of Acts, they were in Solomon's porch in the book of Acts in chapter 5. That was just one aspect or one part of the temple complex. There were 5,000 men that got saved in that one temple court. Now, that's not everybody because everybody never gets saved. Amen. And so you stop and think about the size of, this, of the temple complex. It was truly considered one of the wonders of the world at that time. There were people, Gentiles, who knew nothing about God or anything about the Bible that would travel thousands of miles by foot just to get a glimpse, just to look into the temple complex. It took them 40 seven years and they were still building in Jesus' day. In fact, the temple was not finished completion until the early 60s, only A.D., only a few years before Titus's army surrounded the city of Jerusalem and laid that temple even with the ground. Imagine a building that took a hundred years to build. That was the temple. That's where Mary and Joseph came. And, and the temple was not really a kind place to poor people, let me tell you. How many of you remember the story of the widow's mite? I mean, there, there was, it was a place where those that had great wealth and great power were able to show it and 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 to be exalted and and glorified by other people and and again that's that's what some people were after they wanted people to look at them they wanted people to think that they were great and into this huge complex 
wander this new mother, a child not yet two months old, Joseph, even though he was a direct descendant of David, with the poorest of sacrifices. It was a huge complex. People were all over the place. There were hundreds of sacrifices that were offered every day. There was lines that had to be stood in. And, and they were not the only ones there with the child that day. And, and as they were mar- wa- walking into here, and I am sure that Mary and Joseph were just totally overwhelmed by everything that was going on around them, that is the context in which these events that we're going to study in our sermon this morning took place. Can you picture yourself scared, alone, thousands of people roaming around you? Sounds like New York City, doesn't it? Sounds like home to me. But they were here for one purpose and one purpose alone. They were going to be obedient to the Word of God. I'm glad today that we do not have to gather around with a train of animals and pans to catch the blood and and knives to kill those animals with and all of the things that went on I'm glad, so glad today that Jesus Christ is the sacrifice for all sins forever. But he had not yet effected that. He was only a babe. He had to grow up. He had to go through all of the things that Jesus would go through and suffer. And as the parents were holding this little child and and the turtle doves that were there um, keeping them so that they would not get away, It says in verse 25, right where we left off, it says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him after the custom of the law, then he took him up in his arms and said, Blessed, I'm sorry, then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. And we'll pick up Simeon's reading in a few minutes, his prophecies. We're going to just look at Simeon for a minute. I don't know how many of you were here uh, two years ago when uh, the wedding was on the 18th and the Marshall family stayed with us for Christmas Sunday and we had Pat Cassidy here and he did that drawing of Simeon. Does anybody remember that? Uh, I was hoping to get that thing out. It's still over there somewhere. But, uh, in fact, I think I see part of it. But we'll, we'll worry about that later. But as we uh, preached the whole message on Simeon that morning, Pat started out drawing. And everybody was looking and trying to figure out what in the world. It looks like space aliens. And then the, 
then it looked like something totally different. And, and uh, Pat was just so wonderful with his artwork. He did not finish, and you could not really tell everything that was about it until the sermon was over. And you're sitting there going, wow, where'd that beautiful picture come from? Simeon was an incredible man. Let's just read what the Bible says about him. In verse 25, it says that he was just. Now, that's a word that has almost lost meaning in modern American society, hasn't it? The word just. When is the last time you heard a news commentator say about any elected official, any politician, and he's a just man? Uh, now, we've got lots of politicians that are in need of justice, right? <laughs> That's not being just, my friend. Being just is living righteously and holy and clean and pure. Now, if you're familiar with your Bible at all, you've read the stories of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and the chief priests and the elders. I mean, they were some of the most wicked and conniving men that walked in shoe leather. And uh, it didn't matter whether they had shoes or not. They were just wicked men. I mean, they really were. They, they were pl always plotting and planning and trying to do this and trying to trick this and they thought they were so smart they were going to outsmart Jesus. Do you remember that? And when they found out they weren't smart enough, they hired the Herodians. This was a group of Jewish people that had sworn their allegiance to Herod. And uh, by the way, if you watch the slop operas on afternoon television, you ought to get right with God and turn that thing off. Amen. But if you want to know where all of those soap operas got their start in their storylines, it was from Herod and his family. I mean, Shakespeare read the history and he wrote all that horrible stuff and then people call it classic and now it's on television and all of its degradant uh, debauchery, I guess would be a good way to put it. It's just filth and trash. It'll destroy your mind. Leave it alone. But that's the life that Herod lived. There's no slop opera star that comes close to Herod. And that's what I call him because it's just a bunch of slop. But uh, Herod had a group of people called the Herodians. And they were his servants. They were his Jewish counterparts. They were his spies that would go in and sit in the meetings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and put in a good word for Herod and make sure everything was going they were so intent on getting Jesus that they went to these Herodians and said, you're the smartest guys we know. We want you to help us get Jesus. Did they get him? No. They're not as smart as they think they are, are they? Here we have Simeon. He was just. His life was clean. He believed in truth. He believed that there was such a thing as absolute truth. You never heard Simeon running around saying, well, that's your truth. I have mine and you can have yours. And it doesn't work that way. 
If you can modify truth, then it's no longer truth, my friend. Truth by its own definition is unique to itself. It is true. It is completely self-proving. That's what truth is. That's why Jesus said, I am the truth. Amen. And so Simeon was just. And it says, and devout. Now that word devout meant that he was religious, that he was serious about what he did for God. That he was not just going through the motions. He was just and, and right and true in his dealings with all men. And when it came to his worship to God, there was a fervency, there was a reality there that set him apart from the vast majority of people who came to the temple to go through the ceremonies. Oh, that we could have some simians today, amen? Just and devout. And then it gives us one more, actually two more attributes. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He expected the Messiah to show up. He was looking for God to fulfill the promises. You know, there's a lot of promises in the Bible. One of them is that Jesus is coming back. Amen. I am waiting for the coming of the Lord the second time. You know what? That changes some things, doesn't it? Somebody has, not to just bring up modern politics and history, I can't pronounce the guy's name because I don't want to learn how, but that ruler of Iran who's threatening to obliterate Israel, not going to do it. This book says he's not. But he is devout in his worship, and he believes that this last imam, I think is what they call him, the Bible's got a name for that last imam, it's called the Antichrist. And he's coming. And whatever Rajinajad, whatever his name is in Iran, it's not going to help him, amen? God's got it all planned out, and he doesn't need that screwball to give a hand. But let me tell you something, he really believes his religion. He's willing to kill as many people as necessary to, to, he thinks it's going to happen. I heard another idiot say that fundamental Christianity is as dangerous as religious Islam. Now, you know, the word, I don't mean to be cruel here, but the word is moron. That's an IQ below 30. And the plastic plants are about 25, so that kind of gives you an idea. That's an actual medical term. Uh, you can look it up in a dictionary. I think I have that right. I mean, you start being handicapped at about 89 and below. Uh, they start talking about being development. When you get to moron, it's 30. It means that you're just, you know, like a vegetable. And that's, that's what the brain of someone would make that statement. Because there is no one who has ever believed this Bible since the days of Jesus Christ who has murdered another person. There's not one person. Oh, there's a lot of religious people that have done horrible things, but they didn't get that from this book called the Bible, my friend. 
That's what it means when it talks about he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting on God. Simeon didn't have guns in the basement. Simeon didn't have all these things waiting. He wasn't trying to connive and trick and underplot. He was waiting for God to do God's work. Let me tell you, God's going to do it. We need to understand that. And then the last attribute of Simeon that he gives us, it says, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. This was a man that was under the influence of the Spirit of Almighty God. Do you think it is by accident that God chose such a man to put into our story today? Do you think that Simeon became devout after he earned his living and after he took care of all of his bills and after he solved all the great problems of life? Do you think Simeon was just in the last few years of his life and got that sobriquet because he had cleaned himself up? Don't think so, my friend. Simeon had been working his whole life to get these attributes because they are intimately tied to this word called worship. God does not accept worship from dirty vessels. God does not accept worship that is tainted or connected to the world. This man named Simeon was a man that devoted his entire life. And when we come down here, we'll find out that Simeon was a prophet. He was speaking things. He was not as much foretelling future events, that's what we think of as a prophet, as he was foretelling God's Word. A prophet is one who expounds God's Word. In, F, in essence, today, as I am preaching, if I am preaching what is in the Bible, biblically, I am prophesying. I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen in the future. The Bible does that already. I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. There's a difference. And, and I want us to grab a hold of that because it, it is important because it's connected, all connected to this thing called worship. And we're going to come down here to, to verse 30, and we're just going to read the, the prophecy of Simeon here. He says, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them. And said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. This was Simeon's prophecy. It's interesting, the first thing he did was bless God. Amen. Now that word blessing means to make happy. How do we bless God? Simeon had been living his whole life for this moment. 
He was just. He was devout. He had studied the scriptures. He understood the prophecies of the coming Messiah. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was under the influence of the Holy Spirit. God had revealed to him that he would see the Christ, the Messiah of Israel. You say, well, why doesn't God reveal that to us today? He already has. You've got about 1,200 pages of that revelation. Don't need any more, amen? Don't go looking for something new until you take care of what you got. And by the way, it only takes a lifetime to take care of this book, amen? I mean, if, if you got it all down, let me know. I'd like to shake your hand. Uh, but until those days, we're going to keep trying to serve God. That's what being just and devout was all about, amen? That's what we need to learn from the life of Simeon here. And he comes in and he blesses God and he says, you fulfilled your word. That's what makes God so pleased with us is when his word finds a resting place in our life and it changes us and makes us obedient to what the Bible says. It is so simple. But how many times have we done that? If you've trusted Jesus as your personal Savior and you're saved today, guess what? You've blessed God when you got saved. But He doesn't want you just to do it on the day you get saved. Amen? He wants you to be like Simeon and do it every day. Let God's Word find a place here and change what you do out here. I'm not going to pick up my feet, but ought to change where you go too, amen? Everything about you. He tells us, and what he's doing here is he is quoting Scripture. When you are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, when you are worshiping God, let me tell you something, you're going to be in agreement with the words of this book called the Bible. You're going to speak those words. You're going to know those words. You're going to understand those words. You're going to walk in them. And that's what Simeon was doing. That's how he blessed God. He said, a light to light in the Gentiles. It wasn't until Acts chapter 10 that the apostles understood that God wanted to save us Gentiles. I mean, we have a couple of people here today that are of Jewish heritage. They are God's chosen people. The rest of us are Gentiles. It had not entered into the mind of any Jew living in that day, except Simeon, that God was going to do a thing or cared a bit about all the Gentiles of the world. But here comes Simeon. What's he doing? He's quoting the Scripture, a light to lighten the Gentiles. Let me ask you, do you have that light? Is it living in you? Do you see clearly through the Word of God the glory of thy people Israel? I'll tell you, it's a great privilege. It's a great honor to be born of Jewish heritage because that is the people through which God gave us this book called the Bible. It is the people through which God gave us Jesus. We meet in a former synagogue. 
Somebody said, when are you going to take down those stars of David? Uh, when you give me enough money to do it, amen? We've got more important things to do. Are you afraid of those things? Jesus was Jewish. I'm not afraid of that. Listen. A light to lighten the Gentiles, the glory of my people Israel, of thy people Israel. And then he told Mary, he said, Behold, he is set for the rising. I mean, the fall and the rising again of many of Israel. Even to this day, there are many, many, the vast majority of the descendants of Abraham stumble and fall at that name of Jesus. But one day they're going to recognize him as their Messiah. That's what he was talking about here. That hasn't happened yet. It's going to. And he said, There is a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also. Now, I can't be dogmatic about this, but I'll tell you there's a lot of people that have destroyed Mary so that they could manifest their ideas of false worship. They want to call her the mother of God. How can you be the mother of God if you're not greater than God? And they, they worship her as God. That's not true. Mary, she said, I rejoice in my Savior. She said, I need to be saved. This child I am giving birth is going to be my Savior. Wow tell you God when he does stuff he does it beyond our ability to comprehend amen but you know God's going to give you the opportunity to disbelieve if you want to that's what it's talking about here if you don't want to believe in Jesus as the son of God as God in the flesh You've got plenty of opportunities to head a different direction. God's not going to stop you. My job as a preacher today is just to wave the banner and say, this is the way, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I pray that you'll follow it and take advantage of that and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what worship is all about. Worship is connected to the words of God. Not the traditions of men. We have so many traditions in this world today. But if we're going to find God, we've got to lay those traditions aside and center on the words. That's what Simeon was doing. He was just reading the words from the Old Testament prophecy. And by the way, I want you to understand something about Simeon. He did not have a copy of the Bible in, in print in his language that he could just stick in his pocket and carry around the scroll, just the scroll of Isaiah was four scrolls so large that it would be hard for one person to carry one of those scrolls, let alone one, and that, let alone all four, and that was only one book from the Bible. There were 38 others. It was a collection of scrolls that that only existed in the temple. You had to be there to read them and understand them. Simeon had them memorized, not the whole thing, probably many of them. He was quoting from the prophets. He quoted from Isaiah. 
He quoted from Hosea. He quoted from several of the others. And that is Simeon. In verse 36, we meet our second person. It says, And there was one Anna, a prophetess. Remember that. The daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Azur, she was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Now let's take a minute here and focus on Anna for a moment. She had been married for seven years. She had been a widow for 84 years. She, her age was the age of her wedding day plus 91. They weren't kidding when they said she was of great age. I mean, that puts her easily. I mean, they married much younger back then. Let's, let's say she was 16. That would put her at 107, right? Is that right? Yes. She could have been 110, 112 years old. That's old. You know where she lived? In the temple. You know what she did all day? She prayed. And she fasted. How long had she been doing this? Eighty-four years. Now, as I look out over our crowd, I, I don't think we have anybody here 84 years old today, do we? No. I know we got one close, but not 84 yet. Eighty-four years. She had been in the temple night and day, day and night. How many of you know what fasting is? It's something we hate to do. That's going without food. We think we're going without food because church doesn't get over till 1230. Listen, she fasted and she prayed. It says that she was a prophetess. That doesn't mean that we believe in lady preachers, by the way. Well, that's another subject. It, what it does mean is she spent her time talking about the Word of God. In fact, she knew the Word of God so well that people came to her to listen to her and to ask her questions about what God had to say about different things because she knew the Scriptures. It wouldn't hurt for us to have some prophetess like that, now would it? Some ladies who knew the Bible so well that people would ask them questions and would want to hear what they had to say. That was Anna. Verse 38 says, She coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him 
to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Now, that's all we have about Anna. That's how she was a prophetess. It says that she spake of him to all them that looked for, the re- for redemption in Jerusalem. Anyone who was living in Jerusalem that was waiting for the consolation, as was Simeon, she told them all, here is the consolation. That, that was her prophecy. Was that really her foretelling some hidden event that was revealed only to her? Absolutely not. She just heard Simeon say the same thing. All she was, she knew the prophecies. All she was doing was agreeing and telling God's word. We need to do that as men and as women. Because people need to hear God's word. Amen? You see, these two people are here. They worshipped Jesus in the temple. They gave glory to him that belonged only to God. He said, if you want the redemption of Israel, if you want the promise of God, here it is. Those titles belong only to the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, who is God in the flesh. And we'll be done very quickly here. But I want us to grab a few things about this thing called worship if we can. Worship. True Bible worship is the humbling of myself that I may exalt Christ. It is, the, it is the confinement of my ideas. It is the surrender of who and what I am to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ so that He may be lifted up and that He may be held in higher esteem by the people who see what I'm doing. That's worship. You know, we're to worship God when we go to work. We're to worship God when we walk down the street. We're to worship in every part of our daily life. And when we come together to assemble as we are this morning, we have to remember the audience is not you sitting in the pew. You're not doing what you're doing for me, I hope. Wrong direction. I am what we call a worship leader, the real kind, not the imitations, all right? Because I'm not going to dance for you this morning. You wouldn't want to see that. Neither would God, by the way. What we're here to do is work together to worship the audience that we're supposed to be assembled here for. That's an audience of one. It is God. He is the reason why we're here. He wasn't born just to be the baby in the manger set. Amen? He was born to live a perfect life, to die on the cross and to rise again from the dead so that His Word 
could find lodging in our hearts. And God would hear his word echoed from our heart to his, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Salvation. So that his word would find a place and echo from our heart back to his. And when people would look at us, they could say, there's a just person living in a wicked society. There is someone waiting on the consolation, not of Israel, but of this world, as Jesus is coming again. Amen. There is someone under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God that makes me think more of God and not less of Him. Somebody tells me they're under the influence of God and they throw up in a little bag and say, God made me do this. I don't think much of their God. Goes on. There are people that actually are convinced that they're pleasing God when they do these kinds of things. That's, that doesn't make me think more of God, does it you? But when I see a young life that's not ruined by drugs and the filth and the off-scouring of this world, you know what? I think more of that God. Amen? He kept that life clean in this wicked world. When we see people who are older in their life that have had problems in their marriage and things that they have done and all of a sudden they're not doing those things anymore. That marriage is being put back together again. They're loving each other and learning to love each other rather than learning to hate each other. And they're walking in a path and, and, and they're not uh, kissing the dog and kicking the kids anymore. They're doing things that they ought to be doing. When we see things like that happen, what does that make us do? It makes us want to love God more. Amen? It makes us think more of that God. When we see people who are bound with the chains of sin and they get saved and get set free, they say, I don't need that anymore. I got Jesus. That's the kind of worship that's being spoken about here in Luke chapter 2. Amen? That's why Simeon and Anna are here. They were under the influence of the Holy Spirit. It tells us both of them were. Anna came in at that instant by the Spirit. And, and uh, the same was true of Simeon. He was brought. If you want that kind of influence on your life, it took Anna 84 years to get it. Don't you think you ought to get busy? Simeon had spent his whole life. He was an old man too as far as we know. Let me tell you, it doesn't come. I'm superpowered by the Holy Spirit. Ta-da! No. It comes through a life of living according to this book called the Bible. It takes years. It's a growing process. Let it happen. Amen. There is no clue in here that Anna and Simeon knew each other. I mean, I'm sure they knew who each other were, but it wasn't like they were in collusion with each other and having a meeting. They were each doing their own thing, serving God. You know, one of the great 
things that they say, oh, if I go to that church, I'll, I'll just be a mind-numb robot. I mean, that goes everywhere today. Uh, there is nothing more silly and more misunderstood about the Scripture than its effect that it has on you. God's not interested in making you a little machine, a little robot. That, that uh, Hey, it's a free choice, my friend. I hope you're here today because you want to be, not because someone drug you in. And, and let me tell you, if you want to really want to come to church, just do it every Sunday for the next 20 years and you won't be able to stop, I promise you. I mean, I've taken my children wilderness camping. I mean, wilderness. No water, no, no nothing. Just a tent. Dad, where are we going to church in the middle of the week? We have our service on Thursday night, many churches Wednesday night. They say, where are we going to church, Dad? Say, well, we'll find one. Not because they said so. But I've been going to church every service of the week since I was a little kid. I can't stop. I'm addicted. I want to be there. Why? Because that's where I'm going to find out about God. That's where I'm going to get encouraged about the Lord. I don't want to meet with God out in nature when I can meet with Him, assembled together with other people of like mind and like heart, according to the Scriptures called a church. Amen? That's what worship is about. They were both prophets of God, weren't they? But you know where their prophecy came from? Came from the words of this book. What if the next time somebody asks you some question, you just answered them with a scripture verse? <gasps> what happened to you? Somebody brainwash you. They destroyed your mind at that church. No, no. They just helped you out. Amen. <laughs> Wouldn't it be so good that you could just close your eyes instead of Arnold Schwarzenegger murdering 40,000 people in 10 seconds? You could think about the Scripture. Wouldn't that be wonderful? That's what Anna and, and Simeon teaches. It's a great lesson to learn. I've had people tell me, he said, Pastor, I can't just sit still and close my eyes because all the wrong and dirty, rotten things that I've ever done in my life begin crowding in my head as soon as I sit still and be quiet. Well, here is God's cleansing solution. It is the washing of the water of the world. It, it will, word, I'm sorry, it will clean your mind. It will clean your soul. You get full of this book called the Bible, you can't help but worship Him. You've got to tell people what's in this book. And one of the problems we have with our type of Christianity today is we try to read the pages and the words off the book and we don't get them in here and get them lodged and living and growing in us. We just try to take them out and give them to everybody else. And they wonder why we're dead and we're empty. It takes time to let that word grow in you. But it's going to grow because it's alive. And it'll change your behavior and it'll change the way you walk and the way you talk. It'll change everything about you. Even the weirdos will call you weird. But that's okay because it's the right kind, amen? 
And if you ever notice the weirdos of this world, they're always copying somebody else. Oh, sure, it might be green on this side and orange here instead of green here and orange there, but, I mean, come on. They're, they're just copying other people. I'm going to copy Jesus. And then those weirdos call me weird. And I'll tell you what, I count it quite an honor, amen? Because I'd like to be a little more like Christ than like the world. That's what Simeon and Anna teach us about worship. They got the special blessings. Could you imagine what Simeon must have felt in his heart as he walked in and he saw them there and he went running over and grabbed that little baby out of Mary's arms. I've seen them! God, you fulfilled your promise. Poor Mary's just going, what's going on here? And before he finishes speaking, in comes Anna. And she begins crying aloud in that place in the temple where they are. Everyone who's looking for the redemption of Israel, come here and look, he's here. As only a woman of her age and stature could command. They came and they saw and they thought more of God when they were done than when they started. That is worship. The last point is simply this. As we look at Anna and we look at Simeon, what do we see here? We see a total, complete dependence upon God and His Word. Every action they did, every motive of their life, every movement they made was in response to the words of this book called the Bible. How many of you would like to be a little more like Simeon or Anna today? I'll tell you, my hand goes up. I want to be more like them. God gives us their story as they brought that little babe into the temple to perform the ceremonies required by the law. He had some people who were already there waiting to worship Jesus. We talk about it a lot at Christmas time, do we not? Have you worshipped Jesus today? Is he your Lord and your Savior? If he's not, we would love the opportunity of opening this book and showing you what it means to trust Jesus as your personal Savior. We're not here to make you make a decision. Someone said, I've had many people over the years say, I've got lots of questions i got lots of answers. Will you give me the opportunity to show them to you? That's all I ask. You say, you couldn't possibly do that today. No, probably not. 
but we'll make a time this week. In fact, we'll make a time every week if we need to until we get the questions answered because the answers are here, amen? As we live our lives and we struggle with all of the things that we have to put up with to live this life that God has given us, are we controlled by what we want to do and what we feel we have to do? Or are we allowing our lives and our decisions to be made by this book called the Bible? Somebody said, well, Pastor, I sure would like to know that. Well, that's why I'm here. I'll help you learn those things and understand those things. That's what church is about. But you have to make the decision in your own heart that you're willing to give your life to that one who was born as the babe in the manger who died on the cross, who rose again from the dead. He will save your soul. He'll give you victory over yourself and over sin, and he'll give you all the direction that your life will ever need. And all God's people say, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and Lord, we praise you for the story of Simeon and Anna and their worship for you and their great love for you and Lord, how they ordered their entire lives according to your word. Lord, my plea is this morning that my life would be more like theirs. My plea for each one here this morning is first that there would be a surrender to salvation. And then, Lord, a surrender to living according to your word that we may worship you each day. We ask that you would do your work in the hearts and lives of all that are here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me just give a moment of instruction before we start the next part of our service. It's called the time of invitation. This is where we invite anyone that is here. If you're here today and you're unsafe, when the music starts playing, we would like you to come. You have to tell us. I can't read minds, and, and we're not into coming down and saying, Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? But if you'll say, Listen, preacher, I want to get saved, we'll have someone take the Word of God and, and show you. And if we can't answer all the questions today, we'll make time until we get them all answered. Amen? Because you have to make that decision based upon faith, and the faith comes from the Word of God, understanding it. That's how you get saved. Amen? If you're here today and you're a member of the church and you've come in with the burdens of this life, uh, maybe you've tripped up, maybe the devil's gotten you this week, you've sinned, I'll tell you what, there's a place to take care of that. Old-fashioned altar, you just come and give those problems to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what worship is all about. I'm just going to have... My wife play a hymn. We all know the words. Oh, come, all ye faithful. We're not going to sing the words this morning. But if everything's all right with God and you don't need to come down to the altar, would you pray in your seat about worshiping the Lord? If you have a decision to make this morning, if God has touched your heart about something, just make your way right down here and spend some time on your knees in an old-fashioned altar, a place dedicated to worshiping the Lord. 
And we can leave here different than when we came in thinking more of God because of our time here this morning. That is worship. So let's stand together. And as the piano plays, if you need to come, just bow your head where you are. And if you need to come, just step right on out. And let's not take a lot of time this morning. As these are praying, there's still time for you to come. Let's just keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed, all except for the deaf. And <clears throat> Most of us know the words to this song, and if we could just sing them prayerfully this morning, let's just 
sing right there starting with that first verse oh come all ye faithful just sing it quietly as your head bowed we want to allow more time for prayer and and what is going on let's just sing together oh come all ye faithful joyful and triumphant oh come ye oh come ye to Bethlehem come and behold him born the king of angels oh come let us adore him oh come let us adore him oh come let us adore him christ the lord and all god's people said amen you may be seated We'd like to have our ushers come at this time and we'll receive this morning's offering. Would you pray for us, Tim? Thank you. Uh, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for uh, and celebrate Jesus' birth uh, because uh, he came to uh, take my sins and the world's sins uh, to pay so we don't have to pay for them. Father, uh, I thank uh, you for uh, today's message. I thank you for everybody here. And I pray that... Uh, Everybody uh, has a Merry Christmas and uh, a happy and peaceful New Year. Father, I pray um, that you accept and uh, bless this offering this morning to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
Now this morning <clears throat> we have one special thing that we want to do. One of the reasons we moved the offering up just a little bit. Um, we have a Bible reading schedule we'd like to give you as, as a gift. And someone says, that's not a gift, Pastor. That's a lot of work. Amen. But it's the right kind of gift. Amen. It's one you can use all year long. And uh, those of you that have read your Bible for the first time all the way through this year, has it made a difference in your life? It makes a difference, doesn't it? And uh, you can, I'll tell you, it makes a difference in my life. And I've read the Bible through many, many, many times. Uh, you can't read the Bible enough. And uh, I like the schedule because as you read through this thing, you will uh, go through the New Testament twice in one year. You'll go through the book of Psalms uh, twice and you'll go through the book of Proverbs once each month and the Old Testament once. It, it's not your uh, little itty-bitty five-minute Bible, all right? Uh, but you need more than five minutes, I'm sorry. Uh, you, you need to get some scripture in you. And this uh, is, is one of the things, it's, it's one of the best reading schedules that I found. We try to read the psalm and the proverb with our family each day and then uh, read the other passages on our own along with the little Baptist bread, the new Baptist breads, I think. Where's Rachel at? Uh, they should be on the table out there. Oh, there she is. Okay, they are. She tells me they are. And so, see, Brother Teddy or Brother Ding, on the way out, they'll get you one of those. It's a free gift, no obligation, except we want you to read your Bible. Amen. And you'll be better for it. And so, uh, look at your calendar tonight at 6 o'clock. We will not be having our regular prayer meeting. We'll be having a special Christmas Eve service. Uh, it won't be very long, but uh, it'll... Uh, be a little different than this morning, and we'll just be spending some time uh, talking about those things and preparing our hearts uh, to really think and worship Lord during this time of the year. Next Sunday is New Year's Eve, and uh, what we're going to do is have our regular morning services, but our 6 p.m. service we're going to move back to 9 o'clock. And we're going to stay here and party till midnight. No. Uh, but I promise you, when you go home, you won't need someone to drive you. You'll be in full control. Amen. And when you wake up the next morning, you won't feel sick. You'll feel better. And so uh, we want you to come to that, a special watch night service. Bring some food, all right? Bring finger-tight foods, and we'll set it up in the basement, and uh, we'll probably take a break in the middle there sometime to three hours an awful long service to get through without eating so we'll have to take a break somewhere and uh, have a little food and fellowship our teens are going to be doing the main part of the service uh, peters is going to try to preach his first real sermon he said dad how long do you want it to be and i said oh probably about 15 20 minutes he said, that long? He said, don't you remember what happened the first time? He was preaching at a nursing home. And uh, he showed me his outline. I said, son, 
I said, it would take me a month of Sundays to go through that outline. He was done in five minutes, and he's looking at me going, what else do I say, Dad? And so uh, Dad had to step in with a little impromptu and kind of finish it off, but I, I don't think we'll have that problem uh, next Sunday night. But we're going to have some fun, amen? We're going to have share some joy and some fellowship, and we've got a brand new year coming. We can make next year better than this year, amen? More profitable for our service to Christ. All right, let's stand together. Don't forget, your Bible reading schedule's on the way out. 705 if you need the words. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort bring you. Take it then where you go. Precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name, oh how sweet, hope of earth and joy of heaven. Thank you for being here today. Hope to see you back.